If you're new uh, here at LCC, uh, you're checking things out and uh, you're coming wanting to find out, you know, what this church is all about and and you're expecting uh, Craig to be here preaching. He's not here today. So you get me. My name is Kurt Alexander. I'm the Care and Connections Minister here. Some of you have seen me up here at different times for other things. Maybe you were here last week and, and you saw that. And so I just wanted to let you know that. And for those of you online, if you're joining us for the very first time, uh, don't judge our uh, service on just this one alone, okay? Um, and, and I say that uh, because a couple of people said, oh, you're preaching today? Okay, I'm, I'm headed home. And so I said, hey, I might go right with you so uh, we can do that. But uh, before I get started with the message this morning, Sean mentioned a little bit earlier uh, just the heaviness uh, that we feel uh, in grief as a church family right now. And I don't know, uh, many of you who are part of the prayer chain may be aware of this, and uh, some of you may or may not be, but uh, over the last several weeks, we've had numerous death and numerous other things that have uh, come at us as a church family. And so with that in mind, I know that death is never easy, uh, whether you're expecting it or not, but many of these deaths were unexpected. And so I wanted to do something a little different before we get into the message this morning, and that is to take some time together as a church family to pray for these families who have lost loved ones, to pray for some families who are going through some difficult times uh, for other reasons. And so uh, I'm going to ask that when I read the names of these families, that uh, they just will simply put their hand up for just a few moments until I read the next name so that you can identify where they're at. And here's what I want to ask you to do. If you're comfortable doing this, I want to ask you uh, if you want to go to one of those families, whether you actually know them or not. And uh, I've already asked them, is it okay to, you know, have someone gently put a hand, and I emphasize gently, put a hand on you, on your shoulder to pray. And if you're not able to actually uh, pray with the family member with your hand on their shoulder, then ask the person who maybe has their hand on their shoulder if you can touch uh, their shoulder. And the reason uh, is that, again, I just feel like as a church family, we're experiencing this heavy, heavy grief and that we need to do this together. And so uh, the other thing that I want to mention is the fact that uh, just because we haven't done this Maybe when you've lost a loved one or when you're going through a difficult time doesn't mean that we don't love you and it doesn't mean that we don't care for you. In fact, last year at the end of the year, we had a, um, a time of remembrance for everyone who had experienced grief throughout the year. And uh, we had a special service to do that uh, here at LCC, right here in this room. And so uh, we will probably do something similar at the end of this year, but this is just a time where I felt like this is a season where it's extremely tough and we need to pray uh, together 
uh, as a body of Christ for these families. And so, as I mention these names, I'm just going to uh, have them again. If they're here, they, they may or may not be uh, in this service, may or may not be here today, but I'm going to ask them to the, just hold their hand up for a few moments until I read the next name so that you can identify where they're at. We've had uh, two families that have experienced the heartache of the loss of a child through miscarriage, and that is the Sanders family and the Callaway and uh, Bruner family. And so uh, if you all are here right now, don't see any of them right now, okay. Uh, Gary Katana's family. Gary passed away on September 17th. No one here, okay. Uh, Bob Mason's family. Bob passed away on September 25th, and they're over here. Uh, Nancy Pruitt's family, that's uh, Emily Goon's mom, and Nancy passed away on September the 27th. And I know maybe Ryan and the girls were going to be here. Okay. Uh, Ed Nelson's family. Ed was Julie Mark's dad. And Julie and Doug are right over here. Uh, Rob Williams' family. Uh, Lisa texted me this morning and said she would not be here today. And so uh, if you want to just continue to lift up uh, Rob Williams' family, uh, he passed away October 7th. And then Lucille Carney's family. Lucille passed away also on October 7th. A couple of uh, folks that I wanted to mention that are going through some uh, just difficult times. And uh, again, if you're here, if you'll just raise your hands for a moment so people can identify where you're at. Um, Shelby Zellers is undergoing treatments for multiple myeloma. She's been on the prayer chain, and I'm sure you've been uh, praying for her already, but uh, Shelby or any of her family here? Okay. And then uh, Lloyd Heck, who is 91, is currently in the hospital with pneumonia. And I know pneumonia is a serious thing uh, whenever you're any age, but at 91, it is a really difficult thing, and so uh, I know Marianne told me earlier this week she might be here. Marianne, are you here? Okay, and uh, then any other family that I have unintentionally left out that maybe have experienced a death, received a difficult diagnosis, or just having a difficult uh, time with something going on right now, uh, if you would just simply put your hand up so that we can acknowledge that and uh, surround you in prayer. Okay, so what I'd like to ask you to do, if you, if you want to move to where you saw one of those families with their hand up, you can do that right now. I'm going to pray aloud. You can agree with me in prayer. You can whisper a prayer of your own. You can pray silently uh, while I'm praying. Uh, I'm sure God hears all of those prayers. And so um, I'll give you just a few moments to move if you'd like, and then uh, I'll begin praying.
All right, let's pray together. Father, as we come before you here this morning as a church body, God, we acknowledge that you are God, that you know us, and that you love us. You're our creator, our sustainer, our redeemer. And God, we thank you for that. And Father, right now in the midst of a season of just heaviness, of grief and difficulty that many are facing, God, we know that you know what's going on in our hearts. And God, you know the need that we have for you, for your son Jesus, for your Holy Spirit, for the gift that you've given us in one another. And so, Father, we ask that whether folks are here present in this room with us right now or whether they're watching online or, uh, God, whether uh, they're just not here at this point, that, Father, you would hear our prayers, that you would supply your comfort, your strength, your peace, your guidance, your provision today and in the days ahead. Lord, help us be sensitive as a church body to one another, not only during this time, but God, at all times, to know when to act to know how to act so that others feel your presence, feel your comfort. Lord, I'm thankful for the way that I've seen you at work throughout your body over these past several weeks. And God, how that is a continual reminder of just who you are and how you provide. And so, Lord, we would ask that as we continue to do life together without the ones that are here or without the normalcy that uh, some people are experiencing, like having to go through treatments that they never dreamed they would. God, I pray that uh, you would just continue to give us strength to give us peace, and to help us to sense your presence in a very real way. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for loving us, and we give you the thanks and praise today for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to do that. I just really felt like that was something that uh, God was putting uh, on my heart this last week with everything uh, that's been going on. We're going to continue this morning in our spiritual disciplines uh, series. And as we have been going throughout that series, you've seen a lot of different 
different disciplines, and you've heard uh, both Craig and Tom uh, mention this book by uh, Richard Foster. Uh, I have the old version, by the way. I'm the old man, so I got the old version of this book. Uh, but it's called The Celebration of Discipline. And uh, he covers several spiritual disciplines uh, in this book. And it's a book that almost four years ago, as I began doing some graduate studies uh, with TCM, that it was one of the books that we had to read at the very first. Very first course, very first book. And I'm reading through the book, and I think it was about chapter 8. And all of a sudden, as I'm reading, this line pops off the page at me. Of all the spiritual disciplines, none has been more abused than the discipline of submission. That got my attention. None has been more abused than the discipline of submission. What did that mean? What, what was that all about? Well, the aim of any spiritual discipline uh, is not just another exercise to do, not to be burdened down with something else to do, uh, something else that you have to achieve a goal or a status. That's not the point of the discipline. The discipline is to place ourselves in a position in God's presence so that uh, we welcome his transformative work in our hearts and in our minds. He begins to do his work within us. That's the point of the discipline. It's not so that we can feel like we've achieved something, but so that we can put ourselves in God's presence so that he can mold and shape us into what he wants us to be. So the disciplines are never the end goal in and of themselves. It's not, well, I want to make this all about fasting, or I want to make this all about prayer, or I want to make this all about, you name the discipline that we've covered. It's not all about that. Our goal is to become like Jesus. That's the goal. And the disciplines put us in a position where we submit ourselves to God in such a way that he's able to form and shape us and continue to make us into someone that is like his son Jesus. It's like uh, Jeremiah the prophet talked about where God is the potter, we're the clay. Well, the writer of the uh, letter that went to the Jewish Christians, we call it the book of James, he has something to say about the discipline of submission in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. He says this as he starts that passage. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he caused to dwell in us? 
but he gives us more grace. That's why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives or shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. As the writer to these Jewish believers, these Jewish Christians, talks about what God jealously longs for. I find that interesting, that God jealously longs for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in us. God has put a spirit in us. And it's a small s spirit. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit at that point. It's talking about the spirit that he put in us. And God created us, remember, in his image, in his likeness. And so he longs for that. He longs for us to be that kind of people, to be a kind of people who live like people who are created in his image, who are created in his likeness, to live like people who are like Jesus. So as I ran across that statement in the book about the abuse of this spiritual discipline, I thought, well, what is the discipline of submission? Why is it so important? Well, again, the, the posture of submission before God invites his presence, his touch, and his power, his lordship to change us into the people that he can use for his kingdom purposes. It's not just sitting in a room by yourself praying, although that may be part of the submission. It's an attitude. It's a mindset of surrender. And that's why without this particular discipline, all the other disciplines just become activity. They just become meaningless because unless we have the attitude or the mindset of surrender before God, everything else that we do just becomes activity. When Job was grieving the loss of his children, the loss of his livestock, his property, and one of his friends by the name of Eliphaz the Temanite, again, if you're taking notes for children's names there, you might want to write that one down, Eliphaz the Temanite. And this is what Eliphaz had to say to Job while he sat there with him. He said, submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Now, as we know, Job's friends, when they talked with Job, they didn't always have the best advice or the most godly advice. Sometimes they had part of it right, and I think that might be the case here with Eliphaz. He had the surrender to God part right. He had that right, and even though he said prosperity will come to you, 
we think of immediately, well, then that means he'll have all kinds of good things. And that's not necessarily so. I mean, we like stories of people that when they surrender to God, then they get all kinds of good things that come back to them in return. They, they receive good stuff, all right? They receive things like wealth or things like, I don't know, you, you fill in the blank. Material goods is what we usually think of when we think of prosperity. And while God may bless in that way, he may choose another way in which we prosper when we submit to him. It may be prospering in friendships when we submit to him. It may be prospering in opportunities to serve others when we submit to him. He may give us several opportunities then all of a sudden to serve others. It may be prospering in added difficulty that God will use to mold and shape us into the likeness of his son. Whatever way we would prosper, we know this. God is trustworthy as we submit ourselves to him. Submission is harmonious with obedience, although they're different. And let me tell you how that is. Obedience has to do with the, the authority of another person. When I come up to an intersection and I want to go straight ahead and there's cars blocking that intersection that have lights flashing on top of it and there's somebody in a uniform that is standing there going, you know, he wants me to go one way or the other. I want to go straight ahead. I obey what he's telling me to do because he has the authority to be there and the authority to tell me, you've got to go right that's your right, or left. He's saying, you can't go straight ahead. You can't go the direction you want. You have to go one way or the other. That's authority. And so I have to obey because that's someone in authority. But submission, submission has to do with love. It's love for another person. Again, it's that attitude of the heart. A submission of love for another person says, I am not going to try to get my way. In fact, it, it enables us to set aside that gnawing desire to get our own way and says, I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to submit to you. Now, submission enables us to be in this position now to not want our own way, but to know God's way. And submission really reveals the reality about our dependence on God, that we're dependent on him for his ways, not our ways. We're dependent on him and it helps us to understand his love for us as we depend on him because he always does what's best for us. The spiritual discipline of submission goes beyond submitting ourselves to God, though. That's where we begin. That's first and foremost. But it also has with it this idea of submitting to other people. 
Now let me explain that a little bit. That might be a spouse. That might be other family members. That might be church leaders. That might be someone at work. That might be people that you come into contact with day in and day out as you go about your everyday business. And what happens is submission sharpens our view of the importance of other people. Now we begin to see that their needs are important. We begin to understand some of their desires, some of their viewpoints. And like Jesus, we begin to see people in a different light. We begin to see people with eyes of unconditional love. When Jesus called Levi the tax collector, he invited uh, Levi to follow him. He called him to follow him. And what did Levi do? He turned around and threw a big dinner party. And he threw this dinner party and he invited all his fellow tax collector friends and other what the Pharisees called sinners uh, to come to this dinner party because here was Jesus who had invited him to come follow him, to learn from him. And so when they call, or when he calls Levi, Levi calls all these friends together, and the Pharisees ask the disciples, they say, why? Why is it that you're eating with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus hears the question, and he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus was saying, I know your way, I know the religious way might say, don't associate with these kind of people. But Jesus says, see the real need here? See the importance of these people? They have a need. They're sick. They're lost. They need help. And so I'm going to submit, first of all, to God and what he desires for these people. And I'm going to submit to this invitation from Levi and have dinner with all these people because they have a need. They have a need. Well, another question that I had to ask myself as I read that statement about the discipline of submission is, why is it that the discipline of submission is the most abused? Why, why is that one the most abused and not any of the others? I think probably for a lot of people like myself, it's because we don't think of submission necessarily as a discipline most of the time. In fact, we probably think of submission as weakness. We think, well, if I give in to somebody, if I let them have what they want, or if I let them have their way, that's weakness. I need to stand firm. I need to be who I am. Now, again, I'm not suggesting that we don't stand firm for the things of God. I'm not suggesting that we just let anybody and everybody do whatever they want. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm saying is, we have to be sensitive to what others' needs are 
and then we have to be sensitive to God's leading in our lives as we submit to him, and then we're able to submit to those needs around us for the people that have needs that need to be met by God. To address the question fully, we really have to go back to uh, the garden where Adam and Eve are the first ones who are living in harmony with God. They're, they're living a, a life that's the picture life. We can't even imagine it. We can try to imagine it, but there was no sin. There was nothing going on except having a relationship with God and doing everything that was in line with what God desired. And God created, again, created us, mankind, created Adam and Eve in his image, with his likeness. And so as they had that time with him there in the Garden of Eden, they had this harmony with him. They had this thing of beauty where they lived with God in, in this perfect relationship. And God gave them one prohibition. He said, look, you guys have the will to do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want in this garden. And again, what they wanted was what God wanted because that's the way they were created. And so it was, that's what they were doing. And all of a sudden God says, there's one thing I don't want you to do. And that is to eat from this tree. Well, it wasn't long before the serpent <laughs> tells Eve, look, if you eat from this tree, you can be like God. You can have your way and you don't need him to tell you what to do or how to do it. We could give God a little break. He wouldn't have to be involved so heavily in our lives. And so we know that Eve eats of the fruit. She convinces her husband Adam to do the same. And for the first time since the creation, we don't know how much time has transpired between when God first created and when this happens. But we know for the first time, man's will, man's gnawing desire to have his own way takes precedence over God's in the hearts and minds of mankind. And the issue is, ever since that time, it has continued to do the same thing. That's why we need the discipline of submission. That's why we need to understand what God's will is for our lives and then submit to him. Submit to him and submit to those around us that he's placed in our lives. Probably the glimpse of mankind that we get uh, where submitting to the will of God begins to happen again once Adam and Eve have sinned against God comes with their son Abel. If you remember the story of Cain and Abel, uh, Abel sacrificed to God some things that were of the best and of the very first that God provided. He said, God, you can have my first, you can have my best, 
because I trust you to continue to provide for what I need. Cain, on the other hand, was the first one after Adam and Eve, after his mom and dad, to abuse that idea of submission because although Cain offered some things to God, he didn't offer him his first and he didn't offer him his best. And some other notable figures that we see throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, include Enoch, who walked with God and was no more, uh, Noah, who built an ark and in it saved uh, his family and uh, a bunch of animals so that uh, once the flood was over, they could repopulate the earth. Uh, Abraham, Moses, David, the prophets, the prophets who didn't speak what they wanted to say, but they spoke what God wanted to say through them. And so they submitted to God. They submitted to his will. As the New Testament opens, we see Mary, the mother of Jesus, submitting to God as uh, he sends an angel that says, you're going to bear my son. We see uh, Joseph, Mary's husband, submitting to God when he's wanting to get rid of his wife and say, okay, let's just get rid of you quietly and this thing will all be over. And uh, God says, no, that's not what I want to happen. We see John the Baptist submitting to God. And as each of these people surrender their will to God's will for their lives and the lives of the people around them, they see God's plan begin to unfold. They see God's kingdom begin to take reign. The culmination of the discipline of submission comes in Jesus. Even as he prayed before his crucifixion there in the garden where he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus demonstrated a life of submission to God over and over and over again. He submitted to his father because he knew that his father loved him and he loved his father. And Jesus modeled that submission with humility. I'm going to jump ahead here a little bit and just say this. Jesus uh, gives us, a, or Paul gives us a great picture of Jesus and the way that he did that through uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Listen to these words or read them with me on the screen. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a picture of submission. And that's a picture of the result of submission. And you understand that Christ not only died a cross death, he lived a cross life. He lived giving himself up over and over and over again. And Jesus' example is our call as his followers to live a cross life. You know, one of the personal goals that I set when I read this book, Celebration of Discipline, and I came across that line about submission and everything, one of the personal goals that I set was to begin reading, and we were in the uh, book of Luke, I believe, at the time, and I, I decided I'm going to read through the book of Luke. I'm going to write down every command that Jesus has in there, and I'm going to see how it is that I need to submit to that command, both the direct commands and the indirect commands. I'm going to see what it is I need to do to submit to those commands. And so it was a little bit overwhelming, just to tell you. Uh, as I did that, as I journaled those things and began to look at, wow, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what God is asking me to do. And am I submitting to that or am I saying, oh, I'll just go ahead. God, I bet you didn't think of this one. I'll go ahead and do it this way and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. So I determined to submit myself to God more fully. But in the process... I also determined that I should submit more fully, not only to the Lord, but also to my wife, also to my family, also to my supervisor, who, by the way, just let me know that his car needed washed and his yard needed mowed about that time, um, also to our staff as a whole to just say, I need to submit myself to them and, and what's going on in their ministries and what's going on uh, in their lives. I need to submit myself to our elders, to the members of our congregation, to people in the community that I encounter day in and day out. And the result of exercising that discipline for six weeks revealed to me more of Jesus' intentionality to prepare his disciples both then and now for a lifestyle of submission. You see, my desire is to not have to have that gnawing desire to get my own way. I want to be free from that. I want to be free from that and live a life of humility in God's kingdom where I'm able to love others 
and I'm able to share Christ with them in such a way that they come to a relationship with him and begin to submit their lives to him. And so if you desire to live a life that's free from the gnawing desire to get your own way and to gratefully pursue a life of humility in God's kingdom that, where you can love and serve others, you can begin this practice by simply taking time to think about and identify one area of your life where you feel that gnawing desire to have your own way. It might be a relationship. It might be a certain circumstance. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's just out in the community. But where, what is that one place where you just feel that gnawing, like, I, I got to have my way, and say, Lord, is this, is this an area you want me to give up my way so that your way can be done? Determine what Jesus has to say about that relationship and that way that you want so badly. Find out what he has to say about it. Does your way match his way? Will submitting to another compromise your faith or your witness? Or will it have a negative impact on the kingdom of God? If not, then try submitting. Submitting to that other person. Submitting to that particular situation. Whether it's someone that's in authority over you, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a family member, whether it's a brother or sister in Christ, or a friend, or even a neighbor. And determine what it is that Jesus then begins to do as he fills you with his fruit of his spirit and allows you to have that love and joy and peace. And as he continues to use you as his instrument in the lives of people around you in your circles of influence. Let's pray. God, I confess here this morning that submission is a difficult thing for us because of our own desires. And God, especially when we just feel like we're right, the other person or other persons are wrong, and we need to get our way. But Lord, help us to see from the life of Jesus, to hear from his commands, to see his example, and to know that you are able to do your work when we fully surrender to you. Father, continue to move our hearts and mold and shape us into the likeness of Jesus as we submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name. I invite you to stand with us, please.